You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field. It is gone! It went deep right. Batista's going to wait goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 121. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, the state of the Indians, which is not good. We'll look at their schedule coming up and just how they got where they are and hopefully maybe how they can dig themselves out. Uh, one of those ways is potentially by trading for a player or two. We'll look at some of the trade deadline target potential, including some players from d- divisional rivals, so maybe they can grab some money who they play quite a bit. And we'll look at the Indians' recent dedication to young players and if they're actually following through with it, if it's actually working, if there is maybe some other people, Bobby Bradley, they could call up to help out on the team. We'll look at all that. And I went to an Indians game for the first time in a long time and might be the only one I get to this year. So I had some thoughts about that. It was a lot of fun and just something else to talk about because, good Lord, this team is bad. Uh, joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm all right, I guess. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Are the White Sox good then? Or is... What's the takeaway like... from this past weekend? <laughs> I feel like at one point they it seemed like they're rebuild was lost like last year and the year before it felt like they stalled yeah yeah they stalled that's a good word for it and now they're their rebuild is what it's supposed to be because right. we were talking before the podcast that yon Moncada is awesome tim anderson is awesome lucas giolito is now apparently a cy young candidate so it's weird and it's interesting if it was any other team in any other division i would think it's cool but i really don't like the white Sox right now i mean tim anderson i wrote, I wrote about it last year for a different website <laughs> and uh, I did note that he had been elevating the ball more. He just wasn't hitting it far enough. But Yeah, I feel like for the longest time they were waiting for him to be good, weren't they? He was you like know? their well, next big thing at one point. And then sort of. Playing. I mean, he was. You know, he didn't start playing baseball until like late high school. And um, maybe even in college or something like that. So he's always just been kind of a guy who's learning as he goes. And he wasn't bad last year. He just wasn't great offensively, but... Good fucking Christ, he's beating the hell out of the ball this year. Sorry for swearing. How dare you? That's There's um, going to be some people who are shocked. They're going to pull well, over in their car while listening to the podcast. At least they'll be offended as when they watch the Indians this year, huh? <laughs> Boom! Wait, hold on. Hold on. I thought I had a rim shot somewhere. I don't have it. Man. Oh, that's all right. Time shut up by there it opponent is. five. This <laughs> team <Yeah>. stinks. <laughs> but yeah, it no, is, though. Know. We can... Go ahead. Uh, well, last year they were shut out seven times all year. They've been shut out five times already this season. I just found that stat literally just now. You know, they so, said that at the end of the last game, and I thought that was low. Is it? It's really only five so far? Maybe that's uh, bad that's my reaction, but it felt like they've been shut out so many more times. Last year they... I, I know uh, it's right, because I heard them say it, but, but holy cow. Yeah, last year they, they only shut out uh, seven times, and they shut out the other opponent uh, 17 times. Uh, the year before that, it was six shutouts, and then they shut the other team out 19 times. Uh, and that goes as much as 2016 when they're shut out a total of seven times and pitched 11 shutouts. I'm just thinking beginning this offense might be a real problem for them, you know, some sort of a anchor around their neck holding down what could be otherwise a successful team uh, that could uh, have, I don't know, playoff hopes, dreams. Never. This team, what are you talking about? It's, we've, we've watched all the excuses go away. Like the weather, it's warmed up. They still suck. Francisco Lindor is back and healthy. They still suck. Um, I guess the last thing really left is that they need Jose Ramirez to hit well. If that's it, then and if they still suck, then there's hard to find any reason that they're this bad, yet they still are. 
Yeah, I know. It's, it's 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 one of those things where you just you start looking around for people to blame. And this was actually something that I meant to mention as a topic we could get into before, but I forgot to tell you. Um, but I just <laughs> I got to thinking, what is the responsibility of an of a team owner to I don't know a fan base? I guess there's got to be some aspect of owning a baseball team or whatever it is. You know, a publicly consumed entertainment thing of this that has deep ties in the fabric of a community that you have some obligation when a team has one of the greatest single assemblages of pitching talent in baseball history all at the same time to put effort into, you know, supporting that with other parts of a team. And I don't want to turn this into a let's bash on the Dolan thing because then we're just, you know, falling into the same old rut we always do when it comes to talking about the Indians when they when they're bad. But like, just in general, what do you think? What do you think the answer is to that question? What is the responsibility, if any? So I think, as far as just strictly that question, I don't think they have much of any. They they own the team, they make the money off of it, and we always hear that it's a business and they make business decisions. But as far as the Indians specifically, it's getting a lot harder to hold this position. But I still feel like it's the trade deadline is where the line that if we're going to see the Indians improve to make mm-hmm. a run, that's going to be sure. it. Even before the season, I if you remember, I said a bunch of times that. I think it made sense that they didn't grab these guys at the beginning of the year. Of course, at then it seemed like they'd win the division by 10 games either way. But it, I think it made perfect sense to wait until they see what they really need at the deadline and then make the move to do it. So for me, I think they don't – no owner really has – they should, but they don't have a moral obligation to put the best team out there, I guess, is, is a way to put it. Like, look at the Mets. They constantly are terrible and they hate their owner, but he's still there. He's still doing what he does. And sure. There's not but a whole lot is... you can do. I mean, I don't know. I guess with the Mets is Mets are a very weird example of we're robbed by Bernie Madoff and stuff like that. But like, I mean, conversely, you've got a team like the Yankees. By all rights, they could just kind of coast on that team and jerseys. If it was just the idea was just about making money, I guess they could just coast on history for years and just you know make bank, uh, just selling hats around the world and whatnot. But they put the effort in, obviously. They, they, they spend the money on players and development and things of that nature. Red Sox do. You know, they'll get the, the payrolls of the Dodgers and whatnot. I don't know. I mean, maybe that maybe I'm looking the wrong way and, this is, and owning a team is all just an ego thing. Um, but I don't know. It just seems like there should be some kind of... Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just feel like if you spend that much... much I don't know. Maybe not if you spend that much money, but if you do... You know, it's not like owning a fucking amusement park or something like that. I don't think. It's a thing that people tie themselves and their family and their lifestyles and whatnot to emotionally for a long, long time. And then to see someone else just crap on it, I guess that's... Yeah, and like the teams you listed, like the Yankees, Dodgers, and Red Sox, those are huge markets. So that's not really like... That's that's the one thing. I know nobody wants to hear it, but as far as like the Dolans and spending money, I kind of get it. Everybody wants him to dump his own money into it, but... If, if he's not going to, then I don't know many billionaires that are the goodness of their heart other than like Mike Illich, who did. But if the team's not making the money to sustain itself the way it is, then I don't know how many billionaires are going to put more money into it of their own money to put into the team, sure. which I and wish that, they would. And I think yeah. they should if they're going to bother owning it. But I don't know how much it happens. And like the Indians, how much they're worth isn't the same as how much they have to spend. And Illich is a very, Illich is a very interesting case, too, because he not only was he obviously owner of the team and he wanted that to win for you know, almost personally because he's a fan, but he's also a, you know, 
a son of Detroit and he'd done so much for the city and all that stuff too. So maybe it is an ego thing. I don't know. We need more Cleveland billionaires, I guess. Kind of a tough thing to do. <laughs> oh, these I'd days. imagine it's a huge ego thing, even more than if you're a billionaire. How much more? I guess they always want more money, but it's it's not like a live or die thing for them. It's just another thing they own. They can say they own, and and I do think that that Paul Dolan isn't like an evil owner who wants his team fail just so he can make money. He's just not as wealthy as others, and you know, and then and that, that kind of creates a recursive. Loop well, it's, it's not even that he's not as wealthy. It's that the Indians their market isn't as big. Like I don't care right. who owns the Indians unless they're somebody who wants to put their own money into it just for fun. I don't think they're going to if the Indians aren't making enough money back for well, that. And I wonder about that. What is the tipping point? You know what I mean? Because this is how many years now of the Dolans own the team. And um, they've done a great job themselves of building their own reputation of being cheap. You know, I, I mean, not, I mean, they just, they didn't sign players. The fans wanted them to, obviously they can't sign you know, Bryce Harper or whatever. But, you know, like all the guys who walked this past year or, you know, offering Cece Sabathia a big deal, but obviously not one he was going to take because he was obviously worth way more than that or what have you. You know what I mean? Like, I want, I, this is, and there's no answer to this, but what is the tipping point back the other way? You know what I mean? Like, like when you see the, the owner spending the money, we saw this with the Tigers, you know, it was dumped a ton of money in that team and. Fans showed up constantly. They had some of the best attendances in in baseball in a te- in a place that's substantially more economically depressed than than Northern Ohio. I mean, this is Detroit, Michigan. We're talking about it's the the poster child for everybody is poor. So I, I don't know. It's just something I've kind of idly thought about. What is that tipping point back to? How, like, w- when does the money pump? I guess get the water rocket of baseball fandom off the ground. So you're talking like a chicken and egg thing. Like, do the, the owners need to spend first before you know, fans come and then they right. get the money and then, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, a, a, another good example, I guess, would be the Astros. The new team, the new, you know, the new ownership came in and they spent money not on, obviously, players, but on rebuilding the everything from bot, you know, top to bottom. And, and to be now, fair, the Indians have done that. They've they put sure. a lot into their player development and stuff, but it hasn't worked as well as the Astros did so far. And not to the degree that the Astros did as well. Right. Part of that is, too, because we can draw a, a single line, basically, from Mike Hart to now. Um, Mike Hart? No, Mike no. Hart is the director of sales for Lennox International. Um, <laughs> um, oh, who's John the Hart? That's going to bug me. John Hart, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. Uh, I haven't worked too much, sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't it's know. This is something I was yeah. thinking about because, you know, obviously at this point, with them being 11 and a half games out as of this recording, and um, I think new, I think by tiebreakers in third place. Oh god! Well, yeah, of course they haven't won that because many they just White lost Sox. to the you know to the White Sox. Yeah, obviously you want to you want to feel it, it feels good to blame somebody for something, but um, as much as you can blame blame the players on the field, you know, guys like Bowers and Ramirez and Kipnis not performing, like so, someone else made the decision to field this team rather than a different team, and now we're burning year four. Of Francisco Lindor as an Indian. Oh God, it's year five. <laughs> yeah, um, he doesn't seem too happy about it. Like he, no, I don't see him smiling seems, quite as much on no, the field. No, he and seems a little bit unhappy about the situation. He's still playing extremely well, but he's not smiling. Which I can't blame him. I wouldn't be smiling. He would no, look this fake is right dreadful, now, dude. This is, I mean, right. 
And and even like Trevor Bauer, when when he had that awful defense behind him, there are people mad at him for yelling when he was going off the field. Like, screw that. He should have been saying in the post-conference how, how terrible his teammates were. Like, nobody needs to be a cheerleader right now. No, this Yell at your team when they're no, bad because they're awful. Yeah, they're, they're just they're, they're just not doing well. And it's, you know, it's tough to watch. I, I probably watched, what, three games last week, maybe. Um, I just, sometimes it's just a struggle to watch because the offense is inept at times. And I like watching Jeffrey Rodriguez and the new kid, Plezak. Um, but yeah, while, man. Injured. And even Jeffrey was, other than the fact he's injured now, but Plezak right. is really encouraging to watch. Exactly. But like, it's these pitches they just keep pumping out and... It's really encouraging. It's so then they have, it really is cool, but you know, it's yeah. Just... But then they have like Greg Allen come up, who wasn't good for a while, and he's sent back down. And they have these these hitters that can't seem to do much until they go somewhere else miraculously. And then there's Bobby Bradley just tearing it up in AAA, who's still not up for some god knows what reason. And Leonis Martin keeps getting at bats in center field. I don't know. It's a weird. And I don't know if it's if it's sort of like put all that on Tito or if it's the front office who I can't imagine they're relying this much on these veteran guys. But it's it's. It's an unwillingness to to let the younger guys play for a length of time. And Oscar Mercado, the fact that he's got a ton of at bats is really, I like that a lot. Despite even if he struggled Same. a couple games, but yeah, um, I just don't know how long it's going to last. If he goes through a slump, or if we're just going to start seeing, I don't even know. There's no more veteran outfielders left, but if well, somebody the, else comes, I guess Tyler Naquin or the the front uh, office has done a great job of limiting uh, Francona's options at the very least. We've talked about this before, but by not giving him, you know. Um, anything except basically Linus Martin to roll out there in terms of veteran guys. Naquin is the next closest thing to that as, as a veteran outfielder the Indians have at this point. Yeah, um, it's it's weird they have to do that to a manager they just gave an extension to if that's what's happening. That they have to purposely not give him bad players because they know he'll play them. And that can't be what's happening because that's insane, that's, right? Right. That's the, <laughs> the the extension thing is the thing that throws everything off for me. Unless it's like ownership really likes Tito or. The front office just just likes how he is with the players and just just wanting to let go of how regressive he is about most of his thinking, and they just mm-hmm. love that he keeps the locker room together. Because I can't imagine they they disagree this much on all their players yet. He got an extension, right? Exactly. Like, there's got to be, especially these days. There's, I mean, he is he is a an outlier as far as you know personality of the team of of leadership goes. You know, he's the he's the face of the leadership on the team in, in an era where. Two, maybe other teams can say that, if that even. Like maybe the yeah, Cubs, I would sort say, of, um, but even they have Theo Epstein. I mean, outside of that, it's. I would it's say not, AJ Hinch is getting there, right? Like he's the face of the Astros. No, God, no, no. Oh, I think so, and he's a little guy, which is nice. I feel like Rocky Baldo, Rocky Baldo, <laughs> whatever the hell the, you know, the one, the Twins guy. Listen, man, it's like nine thirty at night. What Wait, is the Rocky? Twins guy's um, name? Baldelli. Rocky Baldelli. The, there we go. I think he's getting there. Like, there's a lot of recognition for how you much think he's done. Rocco for that team. Baldelli, not now, the- but he's <laughs> he could be going that direction. I think. Like the Dad AJ Levine went up there and are... turned them into gods. Like he is the man among men up there. <laughs> not Rocco. Yeah, that's not another scary thing. Manager. <laughs> what if we eventually find out it was Derek Falvey that was like behind all the good things the Indians did, and now it's just Chernoff and Antonetti just frantically slamming the controls, hoping something works. All of all the people, yeah. <laughs> But no, I think Baldell, I think he's going that direction. I think it's going to be these guys that make that are it the has good been analytical managers. Sixty but. games, you psycho! What are you talking about? <laughs> the whole he's, the that whole, direction. The whole point of this era is exactly the, the, not that. It is the, the the general manager as God at this point. Jeff Lou now is much more the face of management for the 
uh, what do you call it? Astros? I still forget AJ Hinch's name. I just like AJ Hinch, so maybe I'm just impartial to that. But whatever, you you, you probably think he's Tori Lavulo, but every every now and then, I know you do. <laughs> but there we are so it. many managers, I can't think of their name. Like, like who's the Braves manager right now? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's unless they're really bad, or like Mike Brian Mike Massini was. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Gabe Kapler is still the Philadelphia Phillies manager. Huh. It's only his second year, but it seems terrible. So we're, since we're on the subject of, of coaching and <laughs> we'll make it like hitting coaching as well, we'll bring Ty Van Berkeley into this. I want to read you something that Ooh. somebody posted in the game recap. Um, the guy that doesn't exist, yeah. Oh, right, okay. So it was from the Chicago Sun-Times talking about um, – so Lucas Giolito, if, if you watched that game, that was one of the three that you watched. He dominated with a fastball changeup. He threw almost nothing else. It was like four curveballs. Yeah, Throughout rules. the game, Rick Manning kept like saying it over and over again that he's using just so few of his pitches. Mm-hmm. And then after the game, he said they weren't adjusting to it, so we just stuck with that, Giulio said. I was like, why mess around? Let's go after them with heaters and chains up off that, and it worked out well. Yeah. that That's a uh, – okay. <laughs> after What is this, two weeks after Ty Van Berkeleo said we don't change anything after seven years, and and then a pitcher just comes out and says they, won't, they weren't adjusting anything, so screw it. I'll just keep doing the same two pitches and dominating a lineup. Um, and obviously Giolito is a really good pitcher now and with a good changeup. So that's part of it. But, but the fact that a pitcher and his catcher, cause it was also McCann who realized it and they were working through it can so easily see that the Indians can't adjust to any of this is scary. Like now everybody else can see that if they didn't already. And the, the Indians don't seem like they're going to adjust to anything at this point, which is scary. I, um, I wrote about that changeup of Lucas Giolito's not too long ago for another website, but, uh, really good. It, it's 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 a it's much more vicious than it once was too is it's is the amazing part but no he um no that's insane though that he's just not not that they just didn't make any adjustments to that i mean it's i don't know there's no other words for this because this is that's ex- i i've said it before i'll say it again i don't put a lot of stock in hitting coaches because hitting is entirely reactive and you it's hard to teach reaction but that's one of the things you can see and point out and inform people of hey he's only throwing fastballs and change-ups <laughs> i mean obviously you can't just say do something about that because again it's a good it's, <laughs> it's a good hard change to up do, and, yeah. and he does have a good fastball too and when paired perfectly together that is the perfect pitch mix in in you know i mean i know the slider is is the new number one pitch in baseball but a great change-up is still the greatest pitch in in all of baseball there's just no there's no two ways about it and his ability to dominate like that is impressive to say the least. I think we've, I feel like we've seen the Indians do that every now and then. Like some guy, like Kluber, just going, you know, sinker, uh, slurve, or um, Bauer. I don't know, whatever at this point. He has 900 pitches again, so it's hard to tell. He's, it's almost like he's reverting back to his old ways of throwing too many pitches, but whatever. I feel like when, when they go to two, usually, isn't it because that's what they have the feel for for the night? It's not right. like oh, I sure. knew nobody else could hit it and they weren't going to adjust, so I said, screw it and throw him. <laughs> oh sure, and, and that's I mean if you're if you're really feeling, especially with a changeup, I mean that's again once again you're un, you're unhittable because it's just it is a fat especially if you're throwing can throw spot low fastballs like he was and just followed up with a changeup. It's you you break brains like that. So um, I don't I I'm not gonna sit here and say that that is a, a referendum on Ty Van Berkeley because again I mean if Giolito was feeling it and again his changeup is lethal this year, uh, but at the same time. I kind of feel like your team should pick up on that somewhere at some point. <laughs> how, how much is Ty Van Berkeley paying you, Merritt, to be on his side here? How much is he being paid is the real question. <laughs> he hasn't been paid for years. He just keeps showing up, and they're not <laughs> sure why. 
But they can't remove him from his locker, so they can't hire another hitting coach. So right, exactly. I mean, if he's if he's not being paid and he doesn't actually have an office, then you can't tell him to leave. <laughs> and also, since he's just Terry Francona in a mustache and beard, then it's, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, I feel like there was a question that somebody asked about a tipping point um, for Van Berkeley. I'll, I'll find it and add him in later. But, like, is there one eventually? I know people say, like you say all the time, that it's true that, like, hitting coaches can't do a whole lot, but... At some point, when all these little things add up and you're not hitting and other teams are recognizing how poor you're adjusting to things, and you go to the media and say you haven't adjusted for seven years. Seven years, exactly. That tells a story, <laughs> I think. I mean, at I some mean, point, you got to do something. I, right? Or no? Yes. No, you're 100, you're 100% right. And, I mean, I I don't know if you just cast him on the fire as a sacrifice and what that fixes. I don't know. But... I mean, I bring a new hitting coach isn't going to teach these guys how to hit suddenly, but at the same time, you have, I don't know if it's a good thing to have all these young hitters around a guy who hasn't made any adjustments in seven years and needing to offense has gotten worse every single year. I don't even actually know if that statement's true. It's probably not because Jose Ramirez has gotten so much better. But Kipnis has regressed. Um, Carl Santana's better. Carl Santana left and got better, so I don't know if that's a, that's <laughs> yeah, a positive. That's <laughs> but it, it's it's even just the different voice thing. It's like all these players going different places and they hear a different voice telling them mm-hmm. probably the same information. Like, maybe Van Brickler is just really fucking boring and they don't want to hear it anymore. Exactly. I, I mean, that's the thing about changing things like that up. But, I, I, I mean, I it's troubling to look at something like, I don't know, Michael Brantley's numbers right now and think to yourself, this is as good as he's ever been offensively. In fact, it's his best offensive season almost. Uh, no, it is his best offensive season. Never mind. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, he's still uh, there. and real, I'm really fucking happy for him. Eric. It's super cool, and he just goes <laughs> to a team that happens to have the most forward-thinking everything from top to bottom. And yes, he's hitting, getting a lot of hits, and his BABIP is probably sky high. Uh, without without looking for it right this second, I I don't know for sure, but uh, he does he is leading all of baseball or the major the American League at least in hits, but he also is. Has ten home runs in fifty eight games, which is a mark. He only broke ten home runs, what, what, well, a bunch of times, but his, his peak is. It took him a while though to get up to, yeah, to getting that much power, is, but it's twenty home yeah. runs, and that's in tw- and you know that was in one hundred and fifty six games. So if he hits thirty home runs this year, my head's gonna blow up <laughs> because that, that, as far that, as I think that is a statement on something because this is a thirty three year old man or thirty two year old man going to somewhere else who knows how to you know who a team that has cracked every code so far that we have and made him better meanwhile and even the indians players said it last year the astros were just way more prepared than they were going into it and there was speculation that that meant that they thought that the astros were like spying on them or something which is andre not said on his podcast but it's sounding more and more like but whatever good for them spy (laughs) i feel like there's so much more than that though like they they're just they're better prepared every time and it's it's ridiculous and as far as like getting rid of van berkeley and it not fixing everything it's it's like one of the things is off season. There's this season that's bugged me about like, um, like fans' perception thing. Like everybody, so I wrote it today about Whit Merrifield potentially getting him, and a lot of people responded like he's not going to fix everything. And it's like, well, you got to fix some things, <laughs> like because yeah, they suck. You, you don't just not yeah, fix exactly. anything it's, forever. It's, it's it's not like it's you know, um. Sorry, I'm just clicking back to past seasons. I don't I don't want to harp on the on the whole you know cutting off the head of the front office either, but maybe a gutting is. <laughs> <laughs> Fireball! <laughs> You're just going straight guillotine all the way down. That's it. I'm done with this. <laughs> clear, clear the decks. Fire everything. Trade everyone off. I don't know. You, know, you, mean, uh, you get frustrated. So no, but um, just imagine the balls on Paul Dolan to say cut 
uh, salary, and then after they do it, you fire them all, and it doesn't work out. Just imagine the cojones in that guy. Oh, my God. I'd be 100% behind if he did that. Oh, wow. All right. Really? Oh, and, and the worst part is, like, everything they did do worked out so well. It's everything they didn't do. It's terrible. Because, like, every trade worked out pretty well, I guess, besides Jake Bowers and Yandy Diaz. But if he's not going to be played, who cares? And I don't yeah, you know. I don't know. I can, I'm getting irritated by Jake Bowers. And I don't want to be because he's 23 goddamn years old. But, you know, it's the same time. I, I think I'm just irritated by the whole team being looking so inept offensively. I, yeah, I mean, when, when Naquin comes up and Zimmer's back and Bobby Bradley hopefully comes up, the Bauer's got to be out somewhere, right? Like, he's – I can't imagine he doesn't get optioned. I don't know. Point. I'm wondering about that. Like, are they going to do that? I'm It's. I'm not saying that, that trading away Yandy Diaz is a huge investment or anything like that, but he's hitting so well. It's a bit of an embarrassment, a little bit of egg on the face. It's terrible it. optics, yeah, which is what yeah. they've had all season long is bad optics every single step of the way. Right. So I don't, I don't know. Like, that, that's a, that's a looming question that I really don't want an answer to, because quite honestly, I just don't want to see Tyler Naked anymore. I like him and everything. <laughs> that's but true, yeah. Like, and the issue is, I mean, Bowers just isn't a good platoon hitter right now. I mean, he's, it's basically dead even versus lefties or righties. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do with him because he's just being, he's just hitting very badly right now, but he's got, you know, he's got a low batting average on balls in play. He's, um, I don't know. He's hitting the ball sort of better than he was last year. At least his plate discipline is better. Um, he's not hitting the ball as hard as consistently as he was last year, but uh, he's not pulling it as much. So he's 23. I don't know. You know, that's a guy who, who you just kind of look at and go, you got to let him play it out. And this is what we've talked about probably every single episode for at least a minute or two about this being a, you know, a secret rebuild, but yeah, no. And, and even like Terry Francona said that he wants to, he's going to, he needs to start seeing what these younger guys have. And I think that was after our last episode. It's been a couple of weeks, but, but he said that. And, and so far he stuck to it. Oscar Mercado's got quite a few at bats. And then um, Carlos Gonzalez is gone. And, What's the other veteran they cut at one point? I mean, Hanley, but that was a while ago. Wasn't there another in between somewhere? Oh, Brad Miller. Um, yeah, Brad Miller. So they have, like, they've, they've stuck to it. and They've gotten rid of those guys and let these younger guys play and so forth. It's sort of worked, and I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that John other than the fact Edwards that. Kicked, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess Bowers counts on that is what I'm trying to say, is that it's nice they're giving young guys a chance, but he just looks so, so bad. So I don't know. And, you know, I don't, it's. And this is one of those things too that I that I, I can never wrap my head around. He puts together pretty good at bats a lot, and but then it ends up with a ground out to you know first base or something like that, or a really good pitch that just bare, you know that, that gets him. And you look at that and think to yourself, "Damn, get him next time, I guess." But at the same time, if that's happening. But then Every you're saying that for 90 time. at bats in a row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait a minute. There's, um, I don't know anymore, man. This is getting a little problematic, I guess. But he's still walking, like, I don't know. He's kind of an average hitter um, in many ways. Obviously, in terms of actual output, he's not that average at all. But what is what is the line? You know what I mean? I mean, is the line just Naquin comes back and then they uh, get rid of Bowers and send him back down to AAA to let him work on something because that's the question. What are you going to work on in AAA? You know, he's beat the hell. I out mean, of other AAA. than just getting comfortable again, I guess is the only I, thing. I, or... and, and that's the only thing. And if that's the only thing, I almost feel like that's. A, I know baseball is kind of a comfort game, but I feel like that's kind of a waste too. Because I'd rather him just take his lumps fully and, and have a brutal second year, um, but not 
one would hope at least not lose hope and that's the real question right there is will that ultimately break him as a player because that's that's a tough part with managing young players like this who have a lot of talent you wonder if it's gonna wear on them after a while of them just failing and failing and failing and failing and then they feel like that's just how they are but Again, how many times can you ground out to second base? A million? <laughs> We're getting there. We're going to find I just, out. I'm, I'm having flashbacks to like 2013 or 2012. Those are some dark times. Well, not 2013, bad, but just, 2012. Bad, bad baseball, man. Yeah, 2011, I think, would be a perfect year. Jake Bowers troubling reminds me of players I saw back then. I know I'm sure he's ta- more talented than any of them were, more highly touted. But sometimes, you know, in those dark moments when you're watching him, just put together so many pieces, just almost a good at bat. And then it just suddenly, he doesn't swing or he gets locked up or it's a perfect pitch or he, again, grounds out to second base. I don't know. You got you to gotta wonder at what point is that is that change. So, And so this brings us all around to, I guess, the, the real question of the Indians at this point on June 3rd, 2019, like, is this it for this season? Like they're they're 11 and a half back. There's still a lot of time left, but the twins are in a lot of ways, the best team in baseball right now. The white Sox are about to pass the Indians probably. Um, I don't know. The, the good part is, I guess that the Indians play the twins a bunch coming up. They, I think they still have 16 games against them all together. So basically like the season come down to a couple series playing against them. Um, but they do for Doesn't the most though. part have an easy road. I mean, at some they just, point... <laughs> they just dropped three or four of the White Sox. Like, they got to win the other ones, too. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. I mean, like, if they get it close enough and they just beat the hell out of the Twins, then that's that's really all that matters if they win a bunch of those. And they do have, speaking of winning the others, they have a bunch of very winnable series coming up before the sure. All-Star break. Uh, they play the Twins and Yankees back-to-back, which is going to be a real test of... I know it's not a test of how they are overall, but it's you got to win in some of those. <laughs> And then they play the Reds, Tigers, Rangers, Royals, Orioles, Royals, and Reds again. So it's a really easy stretch going into the All-Star break, hopefully for any team that should be good. Um, so maybe they have a couple good series against the Twins and Yankees and then rip off a winning streak. I mean, theoretically, if this team can actually be a baseball team, they could be, well, like a game or two back or even ahead by the All-Star break, depending on how things go. So it's not completely over, I guess, but it feels real bad right now. Oh, it never no, looks good is, to be 11 and a half back. So. This is definitely the lowest point of the season. And the other issue we have to look at, too, is that same stretch after they leave Cleveland, Minnesota goes to Detroit, Seattle, and then Detroit, then Seattle comes to town, Kansas City, Boston, Kansas City, Tampa, White Sox, and then Oakland and Texas. And that gets them to the All-Star break, I believe. Oh, they played Cleveland one more time. So it's not the Twins are facing a buzzsaw at the same time. The Indians just have to keep pace and beat them when they get the chance to. Um, yeah, and I mean, eventually the, the Twins have to come back down to earth, right? Like, they can't be this good for Well, us. you know, I mean, we talked about that a month well, yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, You know, and I, I, I had that really that pithy comment about how I think the, Indi- the, Indians, <laughs> the Indians are doing something more consistent than what the Twins are doing. But, once again, um, whew. I mean, Jorge Polanco is actually getting better, it looks like. And um, Max Kepler... Are they allowed to do that? Or I don't think batters are allowed to get better. Is that a like, thing they can like do? Like, in the season, it's 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 like he's accelerating. It's insane. Uh, Kepler, same thing. Buxton, same thing. Like, their entire outfield is 
Wow, their outfield at 851, 842, and 842 are the, th- the OPSs of their three out- starting outfielders. That's actually kind of fun and weird. Um, See, this is the same problem with the White Sox. I like them too much. I want to like this team, but I hate them so oh, much. I don't know. I can, I can never like the Twins. I, I have, the, I have My one saving grace is the Twins have just always bugged me because they always laid out. So anyway, so look at this. The, uh, the, the Twins have losing records against two teams so far this year. Guess who they are? Probably some garbage teams. That's nah, the guess. Yankees and the Phillies. Oh, now, right. Well, shit. <laughs> they haven't played a bunch of garbage teams yet. They still have a, the whole AL Central to play. They beat Baltimore six times. <laughs> beat the White Sox oh, well, three go. times. <laughs> uh, Detroit, they're four and two. Houston, four and three. But my issue has always been the, them, the, 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 the run they had in the late 2000s when they just kept on laying down for the Yankees. And I just don't like that happening. And so that kind of always soured me, the Twins, you know? Because... Yeah, at least stand up for yourself. God damn. <laughs> Punch the Yankees in the mouth once in a while. Geez. Like, you know, but yeah, you just get, you get, you get just battered and bruised by them. For, it, felt like, it felt like for six years. I know it was only like two or three seasons, but I just felt like they just constantly just got annihilated by the Yankees and route to like a, either a World Series win or an ALCS, per, or at least a, well, you know, something. At, at least a, a nice run for the Yankees. But um, no, I, I, have, I, I have no problem. I have, I don't know. There's just. Uh, the, the the twins are not for me. Not for me. <laughs> but as far as those annoying Indians, I mean, like like Matt Schlichting posted today that he's he's basically recalibrating how he feels about the team, just as a way to cope with watching this every day. Like I don't feel I'm ready to do that yet because I mean, for one, I wasn't ready for it to happen this soon to go back into even a secret rebuild mode, and I didn't want it to end without a World Series. So mentally, I'm hanging on to it the last possible second that maybe they can go on this run before the All Star Game and trade for somebody, and then. Be right back in first place, and we'll look back back at this and laugh and be happy we had an eventful season for once. Um, that's my dream, and not being twenty games back and in third place in the AL Central by the time oh, September sure. rolls around. I so. mean, but that's that is why I I, I mentally steeled myself for this even coming into the season of hey, you know, maybe they won't be that good offensively, but they're gonna get some good young guys who will get better, and then they'll be better in the long run. And it's just the young guys aren't getting better yet. So, and more than anything else, it's just Jose Ramirez isn't good right now, and that's sad. You know, it's if it would be better if he was hitting well because he's then at least it's fun. But I can't even be angry at him. He just looks so sad all the time. He does now. look sad, and that makes me feel bad. You know, I, I yeah, like and the, the one time happy. he got a hit, he finger gunned. He did a little swagger walk. I was you so know, happy for him when he get, when he does his little pimp walk. It's the best thing on earth. <laughs> it's just it's the so best. He's such a little, just a delightful little man. And when he's bad, you're just like, no, Jose, no, <laughs> get the home run pitch, no, <laughs> just hit something. It's oh, terrible. That's the worst. When when you when you when you drop your your hopes all the way from home run pitch down to squeak just one by the yeah, squeak one by the shortstop. <laughs> just do something. So I want to talk about something slightly more fun, maybe on not depending on how you view it. But I went to an Indians game. Mm. Um, I know you, Mister. I live near Washington D.C. I can go to him all the time. I Mr. live literally in Washington D.C. Not near. <laughs> Well, anyway, I finally got to go to one. And we were talking before that I mentioned that that one of the reasons I thought attendance was so low that was because it's so hard to book a game. And you're like, what? Because for you, you just go, would you literally walk to the stadium, right? You decide to have no, hour I take before. No, I take the train to the to uh, Chinatown and then transfer to the Green Line and I'm there. Now, see, but for me, sure. that just seems nuts because I've never sure. lived closer than two hours to a stadium. So to be able to sure. do that is crazy to me. And so the way the way I had to do it was basically playing. Chicago's even easier, by the way. Hop on the red line, you're right there either way. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
and um, so we only went for a day, but it was like planning a vacation. The fact that we had to plan mm-hmm. where we're going, and it was cost an absurd goddamn amount of money because I wanted to at least get decent seats for our only game. Oh sure, you know, um, I mean, I and we did I too. We got really nice seats. So I used to go to Red Sox games with my dad. And I lived in Connecticut, so it was a solid three hours each way, and. <laughs> We did get that seems manageable to me. I'm five hours from the Indians. I don't feel like I could do that in one day. So three hours, I think I could do if I had to. It still sucks, though, when you're driving your dad's tiny little Sentra <laughs> with your annoying little brother. Oh, God. <laughs> and um, and I got to take three kids, which was – it worked out way better than I thought it would. Like the two oh, older Lord, ones. though, dude. <laughs> I mean, they actually sick. watched the game, which is the most amazing thing to me. Because the Indians have a kid's clubhouse, and we took them to that. And it just turns out it was it's more for like – toddlers that was kind of disappointing i told him it mm-hmm. closed after the sixth inning because i didn't want to go back um but we came back and actually watched <laughs> the game I'm, I'm glad they couldn't see into the clubhouse because they kept asking it's closed it's they don't they don't have an open anymore because every time we'd walk up there they'd get bored immediately but they wanted to see it again but um i mean for the most part it was fun uh, my my son is for some reason he wants to be a yankee fan and he decided after the game that he doesn't like the yankees quite as much anymore because he had so much fun so it worked out good um, see, that's what you gotta even do. the yeah, and even like the staff there, I don't know because see, I'm not from a big city, so I don't go to, like big events. I don't know if just staff everywhere at big event things are always so friendly, and know what's going on, but it was bizarre to me. I'm used to dealing with like <laughs> not <laughs> not to disparage like Target and Walmart employees. I used to work at Target, and I know how that feels. But like, there's nobody ever this nice or knowledgeable at just regular old stores. Probably someone will get paid nearly enough, but like everybody here, they there knew exactly where things were, or they knew who to talk to or they just seemed like they were happy to be there it's it almost mm-hmm. felt fake at times because they were so happy <laughs> but there were times that it was just so nice to be able to talk to literally anybody and they knew what you wanted and like one of the most relatable things was on the way to the clubhouse this was the game that trevor bauer started where it rained and he gave up a bunch of home runs yeah um like this guy who was clearly has to look excited about the indians because it's part of his job but like trevor bauer had home run i just saw him like do a deep sigh <laughs> he looked to me as it's gonna be a long day again like <laughs> these poor guys <laughs> Forget us sitting at home. We have to talk about the Indians. They have to live it every day and pretend they care about this team. Well, that's and the it, thing. It's I just got to be rough. And I feel a lot of those point. guys, they do like the team, and they don't make a ton of money. They make a nice. They, they probably make a, a decent amount of money, um, above minimum wage, and they get to watch baseball every day. So that guy is definitely feeling it the way you do. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> it's quite, like, so funny because it was like a quiet part of the stadium because everybody. It was like back to the clubhouse, and it was just a huge sigh when the home run went by. Uh, but yeah, and I've realized like when the team sucks like this, it's not the millionaires playing or the billionaires owning that feel bad. It's those guys who like work at these teams mm-hmm. and they have to deal with probably obnoxious junk people all the time who are angry at the team and take it out on them. And I don't know. It's cool. And and even if, if you've ever been to an Indians game, I don't know how popular it is, but the margarita guy who just walks around and yells like really loudly about margaritas is my favorite guy in the world. <laughs> uh, he has his big backpack on yeah. <laughs> where he dispenses margaritas and he goes, margaritas, and he scares the shit out of people. And it was great. Um, I mean, there's a lot of fun things about going to the game and it was and i can also understand now a little more like when you get on twitter and awful after an awful game like twitter usually agrees that was garbage and i'm miserable but then when you go to the game and you log on afterwards like why are you all so mad there was a baseball game and it was cool. I, well, and that's <laughs> i wasn't you know, watching twitter i've been to some trash baseball games in my time and the other day so it's a baseball game it's fun and nice and a good time right exactly yeah. this was one that was kevin pluck he looked like shit the whole game and I, I didn't even register that much. You just missed a couple of passes. It's not that big of a deal. Who cares, guy? You get them. You're a human. You're right there in front of me. Well, that's the thing. Then, an error in baseball, you know, if, if you fail 10% of the time, you're terrible, apparently. But you know, honestly, I only notice. <laughs> yeah, I and they show it. it. It doesn't help <laughs> they show it so many times in the broadcast. Right, And exactly. you're looking at it the whole time. And, yeah. yeah I don't know. So I guess I can quarter understand 
unless you're you go to the game so much that you're so used to it that you can start to feel the pain of them being terrible but for the most part i get it now like people are always optimistic about the team when they're like season ticket holders or they're always in this environment of of positive baseballness which is it's almost propaganda levels way making that sound but it's just fun being there even when it's a bad game you don't notice as much there Mm -hmm. i just want to go to more of them now this this is the first time i've taken my kids and it's weirdly the most fun i've had at one before it's always just been don't you live near any minor league teams no, I live near an independent league team, which is the Elmira oh, Pioneers, and the mm-hmm. stadium is just a literal dumpster. It's no, I love it's it. awful. Um, I do like independent league baseball, though, because they're worse, so there's a lot more like balls that are errors or they get through the outfields. There's a lot more just in play, which is really fun, I think. Right, yeah, a lot of action. It ends up like 11 to 9 and 7 errors altogether. And... Uh. <laughs> it's awful baseball, but it's more fun to watch sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got to go to a game, and that was fun. It was, it was neat. Everybody's super nice. nice. Yeah, I bought way know, too many tiny little things. What did you buy? Did you get any? Did you get ice cream and a helmet? I did. Then they forgot their helmets. Ah, <laughs> that was bees. the one thing I mentioned to get, and they forgot. <laughs> but we got these little squishy Francisco Lindors, which were cool. We got um, foam fingers. They got. Um, yeah, I, I thought like I just bought these little things. It won't be expensive, but it was like it was eight dollars for a poncho, which was just a piece of plastic. But it was raining, and they didn't want to be in the rain. So like, sure, I'll spend. $16 for you both to get ponchos. That's great. I love it. Can't you just share one? What's going on here? You're small. <laughs> just squeeze in there. Yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah, even through the rain, it was still fun to sit in the rain. I think that was part of the fun almost was sitting in the rain and how weird it was. And they, they enjoyed that. Once they got the poncho on, they were all for it. You're a nut job. Never mind. I'll take that back. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice that it's unique. I'd almost rather be in that than the burning sun. At least like rain once in a while was okay like that day. I mean, you get up and walk around and come back and it's gone. I went to like a game a that was 107 degrees. degrees last year. Oh, God. I'd prefer <laughs> was the that rain. in D.C. Honestly, or someone else? It was in, uh, in Baltimore, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you prefer the rain? Wouldn't it be nice to get rain I on do. once in a while? I very much Get your little poncho rain, and yes, sit in your yes. seat. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> at least margarita guy, margarita guy yelling at you in the rain. It's all good. It's so fucking hot. So do you have a best memory of a game you went to, just in general? I, I would include um, that as mine now, as this game. Like a favorite game, I guess, because this was mine. I think my favorite games. So... All right, so this is entirely not about the baseball, but it's a great game anyway. Last year, um, I went to see the Indians play the Orioles up in Baltimore. Uh, and it was the Saturday before I got married. And my wife and I just needed a day to just leave town and de-stress and stuff. And Clevenger threw a shutout. And it was just a nice day. And it was just a nice little moment. That and then the... Um, I saw Kurt Schilling th- pitch a complete game loss up in Montreal in 2001 when Vladimir Guerrero had a game-winning home run on him, which was oh that sounds great immense. for multiple reasons. I mean, just every, it was it was it was dollar hot dog day in Canada, so it's like sixty cents American. Uh, it was you know, it was it was, it was uh, Schilling at the height of his powers when he was on the Diamondbacks. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero again hitting a home run off into the into the into the the mists of Stade Olympique when no one is there. Um, yeah, that was uh, the, the 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 shitty drive from Connecticut to Montreal. <laughs> the shitty drive was just part of the ambiance. That's that so point, far, by the way. That's so much New York State. <laughs> My God, it's just all the way all the way up to the top of it. Good <laughs> Christ. So you uh, mentioned so dollar that. dog or um, yeah. cheaper hot dogs reminded me like as soon as I get there, like before I went, I asked for people's food suggestions and immediately as soon as I got to park, I forgot them all. 
and just went to the first place I found, which still worked out because it was like smokehouse barbecue or something. But I, I always feel like still so overwhelmed when there's that many people in this thing. Like I feel like I'm on TV all the time and it was weird. And but that's another part of it. It's my wife maybe you big city thing. folk are so used to it. Well, my wife has this thing about whenever we go to a game, she like looks up before the beforehand, like what's like what the because like these oh, all these stadiums have the hip new food now, you know, like the the local this or that other thing. She the goddamn Fruit Loop hot dog. Precisely. For, <laughs> exactly. But she always like decides to get like some kind of fancy pseudo gourmet food. And it's just... It's <laughs> what all, are you doing? <laughs> every single time she's disappointed. Like, it's, it's, my, it's one of my favorite baseball traditions now. Is She gets disappointed by some weird like Asian fusion food she got. And I'm just eating like... They're not cheap, but I'm eating like just hot dogs and ketchup and going, mmm, so good. These <laughs> hot dogs and ketchup on them. Yummo. I'm enjoying my life. Mm, but like, honestly, just get fried food or boiled food, you know, or, or grilled yeah. food. Things that are, things that an Irishman would recognize as food, basically. <laughs> I remember the first game I went to, I went, there was a Food Network kiosk in one of the hallways that nobody was at. And I went there. It seemed like a weird choice to be there, but but I got a hot dog with sour or um, coleslaw on it, and it's like cool. I'm at a baseball game now. Of, of all the places that are in Progressive Field to eat, and there's just this little shitty kiosk in the back, and I went there. So that there's is so also a thing everywhere. that I experienced the first time up in Montreal was a hot dog with coleslaw on it. I never had it's that so good. before. It was so good, and <laughs> it I is. Like they call it the Cleveland there, but I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was. It's only. Eight times that's four dollars and eighty cents or something like that. American, you know, I was a teenager. I was rich. I was feeling good. Yeah, coleslaw, anything is good. First of all, it really pulled is. pork. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Which is what I had last time. I had a pulled pork or I had a brisket sandwich with coleslaw. And it was super mm-hmm. good. They give you the coleslaw in a little in a little plastic thing. You just plop it right on top. Go, oh hell no! They scoop that shit on there. They, oh really? I, they oh, whenever I go to like so a good, yeah. whenever I go to like a barbecue place or something like that, they have coleslaw inside. And I was like, plop. <laughs> oh yeah, when it's on the side, I put it on every time. Yeah, you got to put it right on there. Yeah. yeah. So what do you say we answer some questions, Mary? All right, let's take care of these guys. <laughs> Little fans, you guys on Twitter, Facebook, yeah, just just for the fans, Mary. All our, our growing fans, fans baby. Here. <laughs> um, so at Ghost in the Shell, he wants to know why or how the Indians so damn good at developing starting pitching. I mean, Mary, do you think there's a reason for it other than the fact they don't let anybody be a reliever and they just leave everybody as a starting pitcher? Yeah, or? And, I, and I have thought about this because if you think about the guys who have come up and are such good starting pitchers, absent probably. Carlos Carrasco, I could not see any of these guys being starting pit or being relief pitchers. I just can't do it. Um, Trevor Bauer, early on, his repertoire was just too good, and he's demonstrated too much durability. Um, Mike Clevenger, up until very recently, just didn't have the velocity, but he had uh, he had that kind of effective wildness to him early on, and now that he's developed a, a strong slider, a solid changeup, and he's demonstrated this year you know 97 98 miles an hour uh and i think the same thing would be said for Corey kluber he just he never threw more than 94 i don't think and and when he was doing that he was just stunningly average and then he developed what was a great breaking ball so i don't know if it's if it's i don't know what it is because like you read about like one of the reasons like bauer is so durable and can can pitch a billion innings is because of his weighted ball routines and things like that. And I know, I know the Indians do things like that within the organization, according to things I have read. Uh, the you know the, the the other ways of pitching, basically the, your long tosses and one, and they and they give their guys a lot of free reign. So I don't like I don't really have a firm answer to that. 
Uh, I don't think they really developed Jeffrey Rodriguez, obviously. He came here a couple months ago and was already starting. You know, he'd already started for the for the Nationals a couple games last year. And I also don't know if he's one of the, like, really high. Right, exactly. I mean, it, he's had a couple good starts, but. It's 43 innings, and he's struck out, what, uh, 32 guys. Same thing could be said for, uh, uh, what's his name, who just pitched. Um, yes, thank you, Zach. Please, Zach. Uh, and then, of course, on the other ha- on the other side of things, you have guys like Cody Anderson. Now, obviously, he had an arm surgery, so that's um, that's a tough read right there, I guess. Uh, yeah. Luck, I, th- but I think Luck's a big deal. Like, Trevor Bauer is an outlier, I think. Shane Bieber. Well, no, Trevor Bauer's not an outlier. He was. I think he's an outlier in terms of these other guys. He was given almost as much. He was given a. a, 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 a purportedly a very long leash by the Indians to do what he thought would work to make him a better pitcher. And maybe that, that could be maybe the reason why, right? Their willingness to accept new ways of thinking when it comes to pitching. That's my thought. And why it doesn't translate over into um, relievers. I, unlucky drafting, maybe. Honestly. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's a, a drafting is a huge part of it, I think, and they haven't had a ton of really is depth forward deep drafts. There you go. Well, <laughs> Where they, they get these high end guys, and they don't have a whole yeah. lot coming up behind it. I don't think. Or they get them, and I I know we talked about I think, I think we talked about this last year actually. Um, there were guys who were supposed like quote unquote supposed to make their debut in the Indians pen who threw real hard, but they got hurt, um, or they were traded for. Whoever you know, like uh, whether for a, a, I don't know, whatever. Like they they were they were thrown on a trade somewhere. Like um, I think the Andrew Miller deal had. Um, oh, John Justice Sheffield. No, there was, was another. Starter, but... There was another arm. Oh, like JP Fire Eisen and. Um, yeah, you know, like there Brad... were these other arms that were like looked upon as maybe the future guys. Right, Brad Keller. Right. Yeah, I think I think so. And then. You look back a little know. further too, and they, they had a little bit of unluckiness with guys getting hurt. Um, yeah, Adam Miller, right? The guy, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a combination of those things, honestly, luck and just their their willingness to take outside the box and let guys kind of do their own thing. Um, I don't think there's any one structure of a Cleveland Indians pitcher because all the all four of those guys that I mentioned, five of them, whatever, are completely different pitchers. The other one. All right, good question. Um, so at from Akron, Ohio, he wants to know if we're sellers in July, do we sell Santana? He's got a big for Cleveland contract, and we have Bowers Bradley ready to take over, and he's having a great year, so we get a good return. Um, ow, that's <laughs> ow my soul. I mean, you're not going to trade him next year. He's not going to be worth nearly as much, and he's probably mm-hmm. won't be as good as this year. Right. So I mean, like, it's a great idea. If the Indians are in absolute blow it all up rebuild mode, I guess. But good lord, that's depressing. Yeah, trade him and trade Trevor Bauer too. Fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> Brad Hand, that's another one you got to throw in there. Oh, you throw him. Trade Brad Hand. Yes. Wow. If you could trade Santana and Hand, you can inject a ton of talent. Also, by the way, there was a headline on Indians.com today, which was cryptic and worrisome, uh, and it ties into this. Uh, where is it? It was like Indians look to focus on growing young uh, on. Ex- Something about growing young. T- I think I saw it on Twitter, but it was like Indians looking to focus on expanding like young talent pool, and I recognize that that's probably based on the draft, but it's also worrying because 
what if they start training major players? That's another great way to, <laughs> to inject more talent into the, in, into the farm system. So yeah, that's sad. Um, Lo- Although on the other hand, too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah Lo- well, too. I don't know how much do you get for a platoon bat though. Really, uh, as good as a platoon bat as he is, but but on the other hand, if if most of these players are playing the way they're supposed to be, and then you trade Bauer and Santana. You can still win a couple games without those two, so it's not like it's still part of the secret rebuild. I think. No, it's really depressing. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if we really wanted to start counting counting wins here, Carl Santana is a first baseman. Like, yeah, they're very important, but they they move the needle way less than four All Star caliber pitchers, and they have five of them when they're all healthy, theoretically. And especially if Bobby Bradley is anything close to what he can be, like that's a huge. You've already made up Carl Santana. Would it be better for him? So, what's their leverage if they do it now compared to waiting till Bobby Bradley if he's good? I guess they'd be better off doing it now, right? When you don't know. Trading who? Santana? Bob, oh yeah, trading Santana. Well, I think the trading. God damn, we're talking about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to just pretend it's going to happen. When okay. should they do it? In the theoretical situation of trading <laughs> Carlos Santana, yes. I don't under I've I've always wondered why teams wait as long as they do to make the trade. Part of that has to be because like you look at the Indians right now, yes, they're eleven and a half games out of first place. They're two games out of out of uh, a playoff spot. Now they'd have to jump Texas, and well, they have to jump Boston and then and Texas, I guess. Yes. So you get a wild card slot. So it's not like they're out of the race. And I think that's part of like the reason that the reports that Seattle's plan on blowing it up. I'm just realizing on this wild card standing things. I don't think that the Royals are even listed. They probably shouldn't be. Wow. (laughs) They're not even on this list. They're just like, no, (laughs) no, fuck them. (laughs) That's not happening. Get out. Jesus. Are they that bad? They are that bad. They have 19 wins. Oh my God. (laughs) It's so well, troubling because they have all these players in the team that I really I mean, like. But then I realized they're I mean, we're mocking ready. 19 wins, Merritt, but the Indians have 29. I know, but 10 more <laughs> wins, dude. It's 10 it's more true. wins. Yeah. Uh, that's the interesting trade that was Gordon right there, right now. Get him out of there. Jesus. Um, yeah. Get Whit Merrifield over here. I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. The sitting on, on the talent. And the only thing I can think is because you think you still have a shot and maybe – teams other teams haven't realized what they're willing to give up yet that's the only thing i could think so it's strange though i if it's just you you don't know where you're like, making making a trade in june on june 3rd is a little premature maybe but july 1st but they're in danger of being caught in the middle though they're either going to be sure they're not good enough to win and they're not they don't have enough to rebuild so it's kind of a well but that's the thing the rebuild wouldn't be then through the book through the draft it would be through Right, so it's more of a reloading, I guess, right? Right. Well, it's still a rebuild. I mean, the Indians have never drafted superbly well. You look at these guys who are on the team, the the two theoretically best players on the team were a draftee and an international signee. The best pitchers were, um, theoretically at least, again, uh, a trade, a trade, a trade. Uh, I don't know where the hell Shane Bieber came from. He was Canada, drafted. I think. Um, <laughs> Wrong that Bieber. Was, <laughs> that was a Justin Bieber joke, everyone. <laughs> Bad one. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> Have that removed. Uh. <laughs> yes, I really answer this question. It's, it's. I don't know. I guess they do. It just sucks. It's basically the I, Yeah, I, I lost the thread, but they should probably trade Santana after 15 games out of the All-Star break. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that question, but I also hate you. Yeah, you <laughs> jerk. Way to bring us all down. <laughs> what you, yeah, what are you doing? 
Don't go bring um, me down. You know that song, huh? No? Yeah. Right. So this is what kind of ties into it. Um, at Richard K. Bach, he wants to know, is the emergence of some new young starters make trading veterans more likely? And I think, yeah. I think, well, so um, sort of. There's, the veterans worth trading are not going to be traded. Because I don't think Carlos Santana is going to be traded, no matter what young guy comes up, really. But like... Leonis specificity on that question actually right <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he means because there's two hitters on this team over that, that have an ops plus over 100 and two starters an era plus over 100 now right. i think Carlos Carrasco sort of... is better than he's been i but i think he probably means jeffrey rodriguez or jeffrey rodriguez and the new guy the oh starters okay i read that wrong i was thinking like starting players but he's talking starting pitchers okay yeah, come on, Matt. We talked about this before. So, <laughs> Starters are <right. laughs> pitchers. So maybe. I mean, like Bauer, right? He, he can end up being, if they have so many good starters and you use Bauer as a mini read loader, then maybe. That's not too crazy. Yeah, but I mean, where do you send him to? To the right. Astros? He'd be happy. Yeah, I don't know if you get anything for Trevor or Corey Kluber at this point, what you what you want back for him. No, definitely not. That, that, that's the epitome of selling low right there. Uh, yeah. At that, that same thing with Carlos Carrasco, you're, and you're not going to trade Shane Bieber by any stretch of the imagination. Bauer or Clevenger or, or, or Clevenger. Or... Yeah. That was going to make sense. And, I mean, let me type a couple of letters in. Top 10. <laughs> Farm system, and you know, if they traded Carlos Carrasco, that just follows along with their brain this season of terrible optics. Like he loves Cleveland, he loves his team. He he took a really friendly offer to stay here, and then you deal him away. Like, yes, no, that would be very I much twenty nineteen Indians. I don't think that there's. We talked earlier in the, in the show about you know morals and whatnot. I just I don't I think it'd be a horrible, horrible thing to do to trade away. <laughs> Uh, Carlos Carrasco. That is a gutting maneuver for a man who is who, who loves this city way more than anyone should love anything. It's it's not even a knock on Cleveland. It's just on anything. Nobody no, should love really, anything I as just, much as he loves I Cleveland. I've uh, you know whatever. I like Chicago a lot, but <laughs> come on. Um. Anyway, top ten so they could trade Trevor Bauer to the Rays. They have. The most I mean, I think the Dodgers player. option is still out there for like Verdugo, maybe if the Dodgers decide that he's they have enough outfielder. I don't know. If they, but, could, get, if they could get him, he's hitting the shit out of the ball right now. Yeah, they, they need somebody. So, I don't know. But thank you for the question, Richard. Yeah, man. Was thanks. Good it wasn't quite it. as depressing either. Thanks. No. Nick from Akron, Ohio, who Trade actually talked a lot on Twitter. He's nice, but other than his mean question. Um, yeah, jerk. <laughs> so at Slang EUG. He's a common asker, and he gives us a lot of good questions. Um, his first one, he said, do you think if the problems the last few years could be distilled down to one player, would it be Jason Kipnis? After 2017, the realistic opening day roster should have had Urshela Diaz at third base, Jose at second base, and Alan Zimmer in center field. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't agree. know. I feel like maybe he's kind of blocking. No, I kind I of know. wrote about this last week, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, a I little did. bit. I did. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, he's – let me ask you this, man. How many times in the last three years have you either thought or written or said on a podcast or to a person, well, if Jason Kipnis is his old self or something to that respect, right? I think I've said that more than any other phrase that I've ever said in my life. Right, right. It's just <laughs> – it's, it's something – clinging to the hope. There's just – he was so good years ago now. But that's the thing, again, and I mentioned this last week. It was years ago. He hasn't been a good hitter since 2016. He's put together 
278 games with an OPS under 700. He's averaged 11 home runs and 93 games the last three years. I mean, injury or not, he's been terrible. He's just... And it's, he's never been that good defensively. He's been okay a couple, you know, for a couple seasons there. But a lot of that can, can, you know, if you want to look at in various ways, positional positional adjustment counts there. He's cool and nice, and we all love him. But it's we talk about this. Earlier, it's hard to blame one. <laughs> you, like you can't blame one man for anything. But there, his existence as a clubhouse leader or what have you or. Francona favorite really did. And the question asked I think that does have a good point there did kind of force a bit of rigidity to the, to the roster, you know, because you can't yeah, move Ramirez because Kitmas is there, which means you can't give Urshela a shot. So you let him go for whatever. Um, or, or, you know, or even the top season. Matter. Imagine if, if Ramirez was at second, you could have got Derek Dietrich for nothing. Like that's if if the right. the big gap was at third base and there was no debate over moving Jose to second, I feel like there's a lot more options you could have got really easily well, at third well, base. The besides two options the question Asker mentioned too, yeah, the two options he mentioned. I mean, those are both third base options, and they just they had too much at third base, and they had this guy that they couldn't do anything with at second. And I never really thought about it that way, but that is an excellent point. Um, Certain players just on this roster make it so you can't do very much because they don't have a lot of value elsewhere. Nick Kidman didn't have the arm to play third. Doesn't have the arm to play third. He's not going to play fucking shortstop. He doesn't have the bat to play first. He doesn't have the arm to play corner outfield. He doesn't have the bat to to, to hide and left, and he doesn't have the range to play center. And he can't he can't pitch. So I don't feel like it's even fair just to say Kipnis specifically. This feels like no, a Tito no. thing, as always. We always go back to he's just so reliant I mean, on these guys that he just refuses sure. to move on from. No, and, and and it's it's not like it's a fault thing. It's just they had this player who they invested money, and not a lot of money, but a decent amount of Cleveland money, and he was good at one point. Players don't typically just fall off cliffs, you know. Like it's not. A, I mean, they, the you know, the 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 arc of a player's career isn't usually up and then thud that doesn't usually happen there's usually a gentle fall and it's just and when a player has an injury an injury plagued season like he did in 2017 you expect some kind of bounce back back towards what he was somewhere between 2015 and 2016 one would hope um you know an ops around 800 if he had an ops around 800 then we're not we're not we're not complaining right but we're, we're talking about a 100 and now 200 point gap uh, we're talking about a total lack of power, no stolen bases to, to to be, you know, not like he was many years ago. Obviously, he's not as spread as he used to be, but it's 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 it is, I think, in a part, yeah, due to a rigidity forced upon the roster by uh, just a team that really prided itself on being flexible with where it can move guys around, and it was one of the things that made it good. And he was just kind of the thing that everything else had to kind of turn around who's kind of the fulcrum of, of sorts right he's not a player that should be that centerpiece as he is he just kind of ends up that way because what yeah it's because so. he can't play anywhere else he's not a centerpiece it's just he it, he just happens that he won't be able to put him in place so yeah so thanks jared for that question he, he has the bunch but that's the only one i think we're gonna get to we, we a lot of his questions revolved around like ty van berkeleo and specifically <laughs> urshela going to the yankees and hitting so well which i don't know maybe there's something there but and maybe it's just luck i don't know but Urshela never looked good here. But again, that could be he just didn't like what he was hearing. It wasn't hearing it the right way. And in New York, they told him, and oh, yeah, that works. I'm going to start doing that. And then 
He's drilling the I mean, damn ball everywhere. So he always had a good glove. Oh yeah, and it's still good there. So they've got so much value at third base there now in Gio Rochelle. That's what we always said. Remember, if he could even be an average hitter with that kind of glove, he'd be a starter all day. And now he And is... to be fair, he did spend I mean Yeah, they gave him time. Well, and also he did go to Toronto in the interim. Like the Indians aren't the only ones that whiffed on him, really. So all right, so that's going to be our question then. And I think that's going to be our episode. Actually, this is a longer. I didn't know if this one would go very long because the Indians suck so bad, but it was kind of cool that we got into just a, almost like a stream of consciousness conversation there for a while about how bad the team is. It's nice to do Sometimes that once in a while. you get grumbling, you know? It's just the way it goes. Right, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> when, when you're watching this I'm upset. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed um, listening to us talk and be grumpy about the Indians, I'm sure we'll be doing it more this season. Hopefully, eventually, it'll be happier. But But in the meantime, go ahead and subscribe on Spotify. Oh, it's not iTunes anymore. What do they call it? Apple Podcasts, whatever they're going to change the name to. Subscribe on there. They did dump that. Uh, Where else are we on? We're on Stitcher. We're on all kinds of places. So just find us wherever you can. Pocket Cast, we're on there too. Let us know. Leave a review if you've gotten this far. I don't know anybody. I wouldn't listen this far in a podcast, but thank you if you do. Um, That'll be it. So we'll talk to you hopefully next week with a much happier string of games. (laughs) Bye.